0: From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, lowering the Argentinian flag.
1: When we only use it in the center part, you can get rid of it quite easily. After you have done the capsulotomy, you can go in with the pro tip and you can remove it. First this.
0: 2015 marks two significant 10-year anniversaries. As seen from here, shares its 10th birthday with iWorld Asia-Pacific. iWorld AP is the most important source of ophthalmic news for the Asia-Pacific region, with editions in Chinese, Korean, and English, and a circulation of more than 27,000. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast for more information from Kathy Chen and Graham Barrett about the significant milestone. How do you handle hypermature lenses? Okay, besides referring them out. When faced with an intumescent lens, there are a number of ways of approaching the capsulotomy. The fact that there are a number of ways of approaching the capsulotomy immediately tells us that none of them is completely satisfactory, or indeed there would only be one way. The complication we're all trying to avoid is the rapid rupture of the anterior capsule when it is pierced by the cystotome. This is commonly called Argentinian flag sign, and it continues to be the subject of conversation at many ophthalmic meetings. That's why I was so happy when Fritz Heinrich Henderer published his paper on techniques for dealing with this situation. I welcome Fritz as my guest today. The complication most associated with intumescent cataracts is failed capsulorexis, since we usually stain these anterior capsules with trypan blue capsule stain, the tear-out appears as a white band, and the complication has therefore been given the name Argentinian flag sign. Why does this complication occur in intumescent lenses?
1: This complication is very familiar due to the fact that these intumescent white cataracts are under high pressure. The nucleus itself is liquefied, and the Lens is uh, under a real high pressure, which means there's a change in the lens curvature. The anterior chamber is flattened. And while staining these lenses with trypan blue, and you try to open them in the central part like you do a regular capsular rexis or a capsulotomy, then you will end up in this Argentinian flag sign, which means the two leaves of the capsule are divided through one giant tear moving from the anterior surface of the capsule. To the backside and this leads in many cases to a dropped nucleus.
0: So when you say that there's high pressure within the capsule bag, what you're saying is that there's a pressure, there's a differential in pressure between the pressure inside of the capsule bag and the pressure of the anterior
1: chamber. That's right. The, the intra pressure is even higher. It is not measurable because when you puncture the lens, it will open up itself. Uh, according to the IOP values in these cataracts. These IOP values appear quite normal, but the length is too ripe in comparison to a regular cataract, to a nuclear senile cataract, which is only more dense.
0: What maneuvers have been employed in the past to avoid this complication, and how successful have they been?
1: So, just to come back to the first question, there is one important item to mention before we start uh, in prior surgery uh, uh, approaches. There was a paper published in 2011 by Havlina in Archives of Ophthalmology. They showed nicely that there are changes in the basal membrane structure of these intumescent cataracts they have not found in regular cataracts. There are some changes between the basal membrane filament. And the lens material cells, and this is uh, another explanation why these lenses are very careful to be handled. So, to come back to the second question, the priorly used techniques <coughs> are uh, very different approaches um, because these lenses, intermedial cataracts in the in the Western world, are quite sel- uh, quite quite seldom in India. And in Africa, it's the rule to have a wide cataract and they know how to deal with them, even in the area without having viscoelastics. So they tried to not open these lenses. They just made an intracapsular approach, which means they removed the whole lens with the capsular bag and the eye uh, remained a fake it. So this was the first approaches how to handle these cases. Then with the viscoelastic area 25 years ago, we had the possibility to stabilize the anterior chamber and even in these, uh, not only in regular cataracts, but in intermittent cataract surgery, this was something very worthful because all of us know that when you puncture the the anterior lens capsule, there's a liquefied uh, material coming out and this egress will uh, take your sight, uh, inside uh, the ocular structures. Uh, within a uh, part of a second. And so covering the anterior chamber with viscoelastics uh, is one of the approaches which were uh, even uh, superior to only um, opening the lens under fluid filled conditions. So, other aspects uh, to be mentioned are uh, some approaches using viscoelastics and enlarging a central small puncture of the capsule uh, to, in a spiral way. To enhance uh, and to create a continuous curvilinear capsulorhexis uh, according to the size you are aiming for, and at, la- at least in, at the end of the 19th of the last century, there were two groups publishing uh, a lot of papers using um, uh, diathermy uh, to open up the anterior lens capsule in a safe way, but not all, not all surgeons. Um, agree with these approaches, because when you uh, open up with um, endodiasomy, it's a little bit difficult, and the stability of the, the rim of the capsulotomy is not so stable as when you tear it at once, as it has been shown by Gimbel and Neuhahn in the early publications.
0: Fritz, what question did your study seek to answer?
1: We tried to compare two different surgical approaches according their, to their intraoperative complications, and the primary outcome measurements were as well the sizing of the horizontal and vertical opening of the capsular axis and the deviation from the targeted capsular to, uh, capsular axis diameter, which was set at 4.5 to, uh, 5 to 5 millimeters in our study. The study design was a prospective randomized trial.
0: Can I get you to describe the two techniques studied in this procedure?
1: In all our, uh, in both study groups, we first stained the entire capsule with strip and blue under an air fill it has, uh, as it has been described by Mellis uh, a few years ago. And so then we divided into two groups. The first group received a filling of the entire chamber with a medium viscosity OVD. This was HELON um, and I have to commit that I have no financial interest in the product mentioned in this paper until in the last years or now. So when I use the term HELON, it's not a brand name, it's the the abbreviation for um, ironic acid based OVD of medium viscosity. So this was because we tried to compare with uh, viscoelastics and the second one, the second group, uh, received a peripheral filling of the anterior chamber with medium viscous viscoelastic and in the center part we placed a large bulk of uh, high viscous viscoelastic in order to create enough space between the corneal dome uh, and the anterior um, capsule in order to indent the anterior capsule to a certain extent. This is something you can nicely see when the capsule is stained with Triton Blue. You can uh, use this Helon 5, which is the highest uh, viscous OVD available on the market. And this is a space-creating crea- uh, OVD and a very useful uh, surgical uh, device for not only for this issues. And so this is the difference between two groups, just to assume the first group only received medium viscous, uh, viscoelastic in the whole anterior, uh, anterior chamber without indenting of the anterior capsule and in the second group it was only a rim in the periphery filled with medium viscous OVD and in the center part it's like a donut where so you fill it in the middle but you overfill it a little bit in order to uh, create uh, this central indentation.
0: So it's a donut pattern that you're doing, not a soft shell.
1: Yes, that's the great difference. The soft shell technique was described by Arshinov, and this is a very versatile technique. So, uh, just uh, to show the differences, um, we only place the high whiskers OBD in the center part. We do not uh, try to fill the whole anterior chamber uh, with uh, with high whiskers OBD. We just use it for uh, for creating this um, indentation of the anterior capsule and we uh, only fill in uh, such an amount of uh, of high viscous OVD as we can see that the indentation of the anterior capsule is enough, which means when we reach the final diameter of 4.5 millimeters for creating a capsulotomy and have this as the outer uh, rim of our indentation area this will be enough so we do not try to overfill and the second step is, and the second uh, positive uh, aspect to be mentioned is when you fill in uh, high viscous OVD while in the periphery uh, medium viscous OBD is uh, is placed uh, this, if there is uh, an overfilling or you try to overfill the medium viscous OVD will uh, get out of the of the main incision, and so there is not a risk of uh, even dropping the nucleus with a high viscous OVD or to have an raise in intraocular pressure over normal values.
0: What were your results? What were your findings?
1: So what we found was that with the first approach, we could show that there was a deviation from the horizontal capsular axis diameter in the, in, the, in the first group, which was only with medium viscous uh, OBD, only nine eyes from 21, uh, which were within the attended size. Ten of the, the eyes were oversized with the capsular axis, which means it was enlarged, and two were created too small, which were undersized. And When the capsulotomy or the capsular axis is undersized, there's the ring of capsular phimosis, capsular shrinkage. This is to be mentioned. And in the other group where we used the two different viscoelastics, uh, 14 out of 20 eyes were within the intended size, and only four eyes had an enlarged capsular axis, and two were uh, undersized. So the, the range is more to, uh, to, to be out of uh, your intended size when you use only one medium viscous viscoelastic, and this was one of our conclusions from the paper.
0: Now, that little dimple, that little indentation that you're attempting to achieve, that's important because it reflects, it determines what's going on with the vector forces uh, in the anterior capsule. Can I get you to describe the relationship between that dimple and those vector forces?
1: While we create such a valley and hill uh, formation of the anterior capsule, which means we indent the fender and we have a rim uh, in the periphery which is uh, as to say, the highest point of the anterior capsule during surgery, uh, the vector from the initial radial uh, curvature of the of, of the nucleus, which is under pressure, changed this way. That they were uh, guided from going peripheral, more to the center part, which means they are uh, directly changed 180 degrees in direction, and so the vector forces when you stay in this indented area, are leading to the center of the capsule. And this is important, and therefore you can quite safely puncture the center, caps, uh, the center part, and you do not have to open them up in the periphery.
0: Do you feel that the chief benefit of the higher viscosity OVD is that it is able to maintain that central indentation better?
1: Yes, indeed. Because uh, as I mentioned before, this OVD, Is one of the most space-creating OVDs we ever have in visco surgery. And this is a very helpful tool because it stays in place and you have to remove it uh, even before you use your FACO emulsification for these lenses because otherwise you will lead up in a corneal burn, as Robert Osher has shown a few years ago. So this is very space-creating, but um, it's not... Uh, collect, uh, it's and, and it's uh, very aggressive in collecting water, so which means uh, some surgeons they do not like to use these high whiskers OVDs because when there are some remnants or remaining particles of these in the anterior chamber, they will lead to a rise in intraocular pressure, which might be the reason for a secondary intervention, and so we only use it in the center part, you can get rid of it quite easily. After you have done the capsulotomy, you can go in with a fake tip and you can remove it. These are uh, the two major advantages of this uh, special space-creating OVD.
0: Fritz, what do you currently do in the context of your own practice with patients with intumescent cataracts?
1: As I'm used to, in a university setting, to deal with all kinds of different and complicated cases, it's a challenge. To operate on these uh, cases by myself, and so I'm very happy to have these patients seen uh, behind the slit lamp even before surgery, because I take care for an initial uh, expectation of uh, examination of the anterior anterior segment, because it's useful to know how much the pupil can be dilated uh, if there is some trauma in the. In the history of the patient, which may lead to a loss in zona fibres, or to, um, or there are some wrinkles in the anterior capsule, and this is something which means the lens has been opened up by uh, by itself. And there, in these cases, I would recommend, because you have no retroflex, to have an ultrasound done before, because when this liquefied material is uh, going to be. Uh, settled in the individual 's cavity, I would plan a combined procedure, which means these are the 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 things I would do before the surgery and in the o r it 's very helpful to tell your nurses to have the two different OVDs on the table as well as tripe and blue, and this is on a regular basis, so we have a schedule for these selected cases, and they all know how to deal with them
0: Fritza, I want to thank you very much for bringing this to us for being so. Generous with your time. Uh, and truce. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Fritz Heinrich Henderer is senior physician and deputy director at the Clinic for Augenheilkunde in Frankfurt, Germany. His paper Assessment of intraoperative complications in intumescent cataract surgery using two ophthalmic viscosurgical devices and TriPan Blue staining appears in the April 2015 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. iWorld AP is more than just a regional version of iWorld. iWorld. With commentary from ophthalmologists in the Asia-Pacific region and with a circulation of more than 27,000, iWorld AP is the most important source of ophthalmic news for an enormous number of ophthalmologists over the most populous areas of the planet. I spoke with Chief Medical Editor Graham Barrett and Executive Editor Kathy Chen about this landmark 10th anniversary. I want to congratulate you on 10 years of iWorld Asia Pacific. Can I get you just to tell the audience what iWorld AP is and and
2: what its breadth is? So this began as a joint venture 10 years ago uh, with the parent organization and the concept was to have uh, Asia Pacific edition of the magazine. It's not simply a reissue of the uh, parent magazine, which is a monthly, it's a quarterly, but uh, in advance I look at the uh, editorial material that's due to be published for the next few months and extract what I think are the most interesting and relevant to the Asia-Pacific region. We then add uh, Asia-Pacific... Um, comment on those articles as well as um, occasionally original material which arises from the Asia Pacific edition and there's a two-way cross uh, of information because we do have some of our own uh, original articles that find their way to the parent organization. What's really exciting about um, our world Asia Pacific is that unlike Uh, in other parts of the world like the US and Australia where we have a profusion of publications and your desk is full of various publications. Often this is the major source of uh, information education that gets to people in countries like China and elsewhere. (coughs) It's also unique in that the Asia-Pacific edition has regional sub-editions in China, uh, India and Korea and is translated into Chinese. So almost 10,000 um, Chinese editions are circulated and in total we have about 27,000 uh, editions of I uh, World Age Pacific um, every quarter which I think probably surpasses the number of uh, editions of the uh, parent um, uh, magazine. So uh, it's received a great enthusiasm uh, around the region. Uh, we have you know, lots of positive feedback Um, about it and it's been a very very successful uh, joint um, venture Kathy can you
0: talk about what the circulation is for the different markets how large is iWorld AP within each of these markets
2: okay we have in total 27,000 copies as uh, Graham has said and we have four editions so we have Asia Pacific China, India and Korea and uh, for China we have uh, over 9,000 copies and uh, for India we have 13,000 copies and we have also have Korea which is about 3,000 copies so in total we have 27,000 copies. In China we translated Uh, translated into Chinese and for Korea is in Korean language, but for India is in English because most of the Indian um, ophthalmologists speak English and read English. One of the things that the Chinese and Korean editions serve as is also as a medium for um, their parent organizations because we work with the Chinese Medical Associations and Korean Societies of carrier and Refractive Surgery they can use the publication to um, send information to their members as well. So uh, the different Chinese Korean editions have their own regional editors as well and um, these things are done in association with the official uh, societies. Sometimes uh, it's a Chinese ophthalmological society. Sometimes it's a Korean society of cataract and refractive surgeons. So it's not your typical commercial publication in a sense, but the distribution, the support is all uh, something that's coordinated with the, uh, the local ophthalmological or catar- cataract and refractive societies in those countries.
0: Graham, Kathy, this is really wonderful. You guys are to be congratulated on, on such a, a wonderful, wonderful venture, uh, reaching uh, such a, a broad swath of ophthalmologists in the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, Kathy, wonderful stuff.
2: Thank you. Uh,
0: Graham, really, really super. Thank you, Josh. ask questions of Dr. Henger or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we have discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.